Welcome to Genuine Humans, exploring the stories behind the great marketing leaders of our time and hearing how their journeys have influenced the brands they've built. Brought to you by The Social Element, here are our hosts, Tamara Littleton, CEO and founder, and Wendy Christie, Chief People Officer. Welcome back to Genuine Humans podcast. And I'm, of course, joined by the fabulous Wendy Christie. Hi, Wendy. How are you doing? Hello. I'm all good. Thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm keen to get on because we have got Tom Wallace from Gusto, And Gusto, I'm a bit of a fan of, actually, because I would say that Gusto was a bit of a saviour for me during uh, lockdown and and bringing a bit of excitement. So I'm particularly happy that Tom has been able to join us today. Welcome, Tom. It's lovely to have you. Thank you. And it's lovely to speak to you, too. Wonderful. So, Tom, I'm just going to ask, I want to know how you got into marketing. You're the CMO of, of Gusto. Tell us a little bit about your sort of early career and, and how you got to where you are now. I probably took a bit of a roundabout, non-traditional route and probably did it a bit slower than I might otherwise have done when I look back. So I uh, actually studied engineering. So I grew up reading programming computers and, and getting really into that sort of stuff and, and, and loved it, actually. And then when I left university, I didn't really know what I wanted to do and I got into consulting just kind of because it was there and it was easy to apply for and they you know come to universities and encourage you so I just went okay I'll I'll just drift along and do that I was good at it I learned a lot um, through that got lots of really kind of intense instruction in how to organize your time how to interact with clients run meetings and it was a really great grounding in business I suppose uh, but nothing to do with marketing at all and I did that for five years and I left in 2008 uh, without another job, actually. I just kind of thought oh, I've had enough of this and thought I'll just take a risk and just quit and, and look for something else thinking it'd be easy. It wasn't easy to find something else. And through a friend who worked at Sky, he said, oh, we've got sort of some project management stuff going on here. I think you, you, know, you could probably do that. So I went and applied for that and, and luckily got it. And when I was at Sky, we were in this other building, which was sort of across the road from the marketing team. And it was literally a lot more exciting looking over in that building where all the campaigns were happening and all the drama and all the all the good stuff. And I thought, I, you know, I, you know, I think I'd like to be over there really because that's where that's where the magic is. And my strategy was pretty rubbish at, at doing that, which was to try and do a good job in what I was doing and hope that someone would notice at some point and invite me over. <laughs> Two years passed before that happened. Complete waste of time. I should have just gone over there, knocked on the door one day. Uh, but I did do a good job. I worked in various marketing style projects, supporting the marketing teams and observing, I suppose, how it all worked. And when And the first job I got in marketing was um, what at the time was a brand new type of role called sales performance manager. And I was, along with one other person, responsible for understanding the performance of all the different channels that they had. So, uh, I mean, marketing channels, so, you know, uh, online, direct, face-to-face, all that sort of stuff. And in that, it was a great introduction, really, because I could observe and understand and uh, listen and meet all the different people who were working on those channels and over the course of two years kind of be 
through almost through osmosis ab- absorb all of the different tactics and techniques and understand what worked what type of sales promotions worked why certain adverts worked and see that every day in the numbers and you know being uh, from a, a math background uh, looking at it through the numbers was really really interesting and after about two years of doing this now tv started at sky and, and now tv is the you know at the time was a like a little startup um, on the side of sky I had no customers it was there to sort of complete compete with netflix mm-hmm. and love film at the time and they were looking for people to join it and i applied for a role a completely kind of random role it was affiliates and partnerships manager i'd never done affiliates i'd never done partnerships but it was for a person who i had sort of interacted with in my role as sales uh, performance controller and i thought that you know he knows me and maybe he'll give me a shot and he interviewed me and about two months passed when i didn't hear back <laughs> it was an internal role so i still wasn't hearing back <laughs> i didn't hear back two months and then two months later he rang me when I was on holiday and said, I can't find anyone else, so it's going to have to be you. Oh, so that's great. <laughs> what a great start. So I thought, oh, great. Okay, right. So let's give it a go. And I went over there. So, um, you know, literally nothing. It was really scrappy, completely different culture to Sky. They said, right, we, need, we think we can grow early on with partnerships, doing deals and affiliates. I don't think you're very good at that, Tom, but <laughs> give it a go. <laughs> but one, one thing that you are good at, you're good at the trading and the sales stuff. So you keep that going because I know you know you've been doing that at Sky for a couple of years. But on at the same time, see if you can, as well as forecast and and sort of do the planning. Let's see if you can actually run these channels, so affiliates and partnerships. And it was pretty scary um, because I'm you know at the time I wasn't particularly outgoing. I wasn't a salesperson in the sense of going out and doing deals, which is what partnerships was. And I was asked to go up to Burton upon Trent where Molson Coors brewery is to try and do a partnership deal to get the now tv pass onto kind of four million cases of carling and i didn't think i could do it really i've never been and sort of tried to negotiate in that way and my boss um at the time said i don't think you can do it either (laughs) (laughs) but what's interesting is he wasn't very he wasn't that encouraging but i like that i don't need praise i don't need you know lots of encouragement i like it when someone says I can't do something because it makes me try harder in a way. I'm a bit of a, uh, a, a strange kind of a strange response to kind of management and leadership um, for, on my part. But I loved I loved that challenge really, and I went up there and I sat down across uh, a massive kind of wooden table from the brand director there, and somehow made this deal happen. And that was a huge boost of confidence for me. I said it's working. I did another deal um, with Microsoft and to get us on the Xbox uh, or to get a certain kind of uh, promotion on, on Xbox. And this was sort of six months into Now TV. Things weren't really growing as we'd hoped. It wasn't going that well. We weren't seeing the sort of growth that we needed for the amount of money we were spending. And I did this deal. And, at, and in the office that we had there, there were screens around with you know charts showing sales in real time, you know, hour by hour. And they'd been pretty like flat for for the last kind of few weeks and months. I did this deal and it was going to go live at 2 p.m. that afternoon. And it was so scrappy that I personally literally put it on the homepage myself, you know, went in and edited the HTML, not even in a sort of test environment, just directly on the live environment, Um, you know, checking that I'd made sure I'd closed all the brackets and put all the dots in the right place. It went live and it went through the roof. 
it you know it took off and we and we saw i remember the moment of us looking around and people stopping engineers and and so on sort of stopping up and going, hang on this is different and you know, we saw you know hundreds and hundreds of sales happening hour by hour and i thought why well, did that that's amazing it was it, mm-hmm. that was my work and from seeing you know the whole team at the time of sort of 60 70 people had the last few months of well you know we were, we, you know, we were told this was a, not really going to fly this new proposition from Sky to seeing everyone go, hang on, this could work now. And to think that it was my actions that did that, not only kind of lifted the company into a sort of period of success, but also inspired everybody else to think, okay, this could work, was an amazing feeling. Mm-hmm. And I remember it because it you know, turned things around for me in a way of saying, well, this you can do these kind of things. And from that point on, it was more and more new stuff for me, more and more new experiences in terms of marketing. So I, I got really into reading because I knew that I didn't have the background in it. I thought, well, I need to have you know the, the credibility, I suppose, to understand how all these things work. So I, you know, I, re- I literally read textbooks that are meant for taking to university and, and marketing courses. But I read them cover to cover, so I knew all the background of everything and how it worked, what the theory was. Um, I took on retail and launched the Now TV box into Curry's and Argos and John Lewis and was driving around the country talking to category buyers. No experience in that, but it worked. Uh, they said, oh, this is working. Okay, we're growing again. Tom, can you do PPC? Uh, okay, mm-hmm. I'll read about how that works and then try and hire somebody and get it going. And it worked. And it's okay, do all of digital marketing. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> Keep growing affiliates. Do, do more of this. And so, yeah, from nothing to all the channels in in the space of uh, a couple of years um, was amazing. And on top of that, took on brand planning. So at the same time as, you know, having that background in data and sales and maths, I suppose, I was asked to do media planning. So not brand planning, media planning for uh, the business. And that was a great way of working out how the money that we're spending in brand advertising correlated with the sales that we were doing in performance as well and and that that started a really big journey into into learning about sort of both sides of that coin so that i suppose was was my entry into marketing so a bit a bit later than i would have hoped but you know i look back and think i can't see it happening any other way that's just how i was at the time <laughs> it's, it's so self-driven though it's almost like you put yourself through an mba while you were sort of just working yeah. through it really just absorbing all of this information yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big, big self learner. Actually, I I always loved to self study, and I taught myself to code when I was a kid. Um, taught myself electronics, taught myself most things, and so I really enjoy learning, and I really enjoyed reading. I, I just love the, I suppose the, the the technical aspect of marketing in a way, and 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 all all the all the study. I, you know, I, I recommend that to anyone is to is to read all the almost history books on yeah. how it all works. <laughs> and do you still find that you're being driven more if someone says you can't do that? Is that still with you, that kind of? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Fantastic. I don't know why that is. But... And so uh, you joined Gusto, was it about five years ago? Yeah, five and a half years ago, 2016. Was that a kind of a natural, I mean, obviously there's the subscription thing, but, a, you know, a, a different category. Did it mean that you were sort of back to the studying again of like how you could do this differently to tell me about the sort of the, the plan when you joined Gusto. Interestingly, I, I suppose it was serendipitous in a way because I had 
finished at Now TV. I think, you know, like many sort of companies, I was there for five years, four or five years. You get to a stage where it, it enters a new phase, a new arc, and the people like me that were there at the beginning, we've we've done everything that we can, I suppose. I'd seen it grow from nothing to a million customers and it was a great journey. And I enjoyed the startup nature of it. But as time goes on, it becomes part of Sky. And I wanted to work in something that was more self-contained where you could really see the impact of it you know, as it stood alone. Uh, I left and I went to Ovo Energy for a, a short period. And that's the first time that I've done something which didn't work out really. And I look back on it and I think, well, it's good that I did that because I don't often, I don't often take risks that don't work. So it was, I look back at it with, with really kind of sort of fondly in a way because, it, and, and, I, and when I'm interviewing people and they come to me a bit shy saying, well, I went to this company and it didn't work out. I say, don't be shy about it. I, I, I think that's probably better that you've been to companies that didn't work out. So I went there. It wasn't quite what I expected. I was a little bit bored actually. And from the sort of roller coaster of now TV to going to somewhere where I wasn't really being stretched. I thought, well, on the one hand, it's quite, it's quite nice that you know getting paid money to not really have to worry about too much. So I thought, hang on, this is gonna, I'm gonna stagnate very quickly, yeah. so I need to stop this. So yeah, after a couple of months, I said it's not, it's not really for me. And Gusto at the time was maybe 80 people or something, and they actually advertised on Indeed or LinkedIn or something. No headhunters or anything, just advertised CMO. <laughs> and I applied uh, in the old-fashioned way with a CV. And I thought, hang on, it's, it's pretty similar to what we've been through at Now TV. Mm-hmm. This could be exactly what I'm looking for. So this could be a sort of semi-subscription type company, you know, similar marketing channels, similar approach to promotions, bit of a similar marketing culture to Sky because one of the directors at the time was like the ex-Sky MD from many years ago. So I got there and looked around you know, in the interview process and sort of saw how they were approaching. So, hang on, this is pretty familiar. I think I think I can pick this up and run with it. So, yeah, I applied, did a couple of interviews, met the founder, CEO, really got on with him, got on with everyone on the team, thought, hang on, these are, these are my kind of people, actually. <laughs> Very kind of curious and humble. And uh, joined and thought, okay, I've seen this story before. I've seen this journey before. I think that the things that I've learned, I can apply here, but with the benefit of having done them for five years and, and do it again in a similar way. And fortunately... that's kind of what happened so yeah it was really taking those learnings and lessons from my time at now tv and saying how can i really bring them to a a new business fantastic and i'm gonna bet that they love your obsession with data as well yeah 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 it's it's an extremely data-driven business uh, at gusto and one of the things that i observed when i joined was how that had been put in place from day one. Right. So there was a database that was accessible to, still is actually, accessible to everybody in the company that's got all of the data about what's going on. So if you want to know how many carrots were in the recipes last week or you know what, what sales promotion we ran three years ago or what marketing channel drove the spike in April 2020, all that stuff is at your fingertips, at anyone's fingertips. So... The team, the marketing team at the time were all, you know, re- relatively green, inexperienced as, as you'd expect in, in a startup, but they had all the data in front of them. They were so kind of hungry and curious. They could just experiment you know, every day and running experiments is the, is the lifeblood of it. So, yeah, hugely data driven. And, and I was able to, again, bring that uh, to a, a new level when I, when I joined. Yeah. So what might seem like a, a really unusual sort of path in to, to, to marketing. And actually, I think we're learning there's no such thing as a usual path. 
that background in computing and the love of numbers and all of that has really paved the way. You know, I wanted to sort of pick at those threads a little bit. You mentioned that you were really into computers uh, when you were little. Is How early did that start and what was it that triggered that passion? I, th- I think I was born at the sort of exact moment that the personal computer started to enter people's homes. So I, I think I was about four. Wow. Maybe it, it's I I I feel as though I learned to code about the same time we learned to talk practically, or in, in the same kind of period. So you know we got a, a, an Acorn Electron. Maybe some people remember those, um, which was like the sort of little brother to the BBC Micro. We bought it in Sainsbury's. You could buy them in Sainsbury's. I can still picture it. It was in a box on the gondola end. Um, it was about hundred pounds or something. So a lot lot back then. And I just poured over it. I sat down. I, you know, my parents bought me magazines where you would retype the the, the code listings into the thing. Just literally just typing it back in because you couldn't really they didn't have cover discs at that early on. And just obsessed by it. Learned assembly language, all that sort of stuff. And I just loved the fact that you could create anything. I loved inventing things. Like when when I was. In primary school, me and my best friend at the time would say, "Oh, let's be inventors when we grow up." I loved, you know, the the mental aspect mm-hmm. of thinking of what machines might look like, <laughs> what and what things that we could do with them. And when you know, learning how to code, realizing that you can kind of create that stuff in a way. It was obviously very small and and at the time just really kind of basic, but yeah, it was fascinating. I think it really triggers something actually because I know that I I'm sort of a bit similar in that way that I used to buy the magazines of how to code. And I had a ZX81 that I sent yeah. off for like a, a special keyboard that was like a rubberized one. And and I was, yeah, just doing that thing where it would just be snowflakes on the screen or whatever, but it yeah. was absolutely fascinating, wasn't it? It was just exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think that if I think about the, the journey that took me into, into marketing and then the sort of, particular avenue that I've taken which is very analytical was that being good at coding um, meant that when I left university and I went to work for Accenture my job at the time was was coding and and building the first thing that I did was asked to do was this project where we had to sounds really boring but just for Telewest which is now Virgin Media I had to write this thing that somehow organized all of the the cabinets they've got around the country with their sort of nodes in how they would be connected with all the different fibers and cables etc and this routine had to go through and and just automatically work it out based on distances and connection type and it was very kind of spreadsheet based as well so i got really 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 good at spreadsheets and databases and then when you know that sales role that i told you about at sky was very spreadsheet based, and I could I could build anything in a spreadsheet that 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 very kind of clearly and visually and simply represented performance. So that became my special kind of skill was building spreadsheets that represented sales performance. So that went on into when I, when, I, when I joined Now TV into the marketing approach, I was able to very easily, quickly, clearly, and simply summarize performance. And when you can see performance very very clearly and you can predict it and you can make promises about what performance is going to be and reflect back on why it was or wasn't that and what worked and what didn't worked it, it creates a very disciplined approach to sales planning and and results so i think that was the 
probably the, the the thread that went through it all. Yeah, and was that what you envisaged yourself doing? I mean, when you when you were little, did you think this is just what I want to do? This is, uh, you know, this is what I want to work in when I'm older. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was marketing because I didn't know what marketing was. I didn't know that it was a thing when I was a, when I was young. I, I I think I probably envisioned myself being an engineer yeah. and uh, building things, building circuits. So, you know, I, I studied, I specialized in electronics at university and I built a hi-fi in my last year project. I loved it. And when I left university, looking back, I, I probably should have joined, you know, a company like Google if it had existed mm-hmm. at the time I left. Uh, but at a time when I left engineering, just it sounds really shallow. But it wasn't cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not where all the it's not where all the fun people seem <laughs> to be. It seemed like no one seemed like no one respected it as much. Right. You know, at the time, you know, it was being in a, a coder was like, well, you know, that's not that that's not that's not something that people really did. And then maybe a couple of years later, Google and Facebook and all that stuff taken off. It's now massively in demand and massively respected as a career. So if I'd been five years later that's probably what I might have ended up doing and are there any particular people who you've 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 met along the way or you know longer ago who've really influenced you in your career or in your life is there anyone that you want to shout out yeah I think many people that I work with influence me in even in small ways and I remember that fact I remember about when I was early in my career that the things that people did the way they behaved things they said to me really stick with me. And I remember that because I know that the same thing will be happening when I'm working with people. You know, I've worked with people even, you know, for a couple of months and they've later said to me years later, you know, that was really, really kind of important to me, the Mm -hmm. things that you said at the time. So I always really kind of remember that. But yeah, a couple of people in in the various, I've only had sort of three or four jobs, really, (laughs) three or four different jobs. And then there are particular people in, in each of those that have affected me in some way. In my first job at Accenture, in a couple of the senior managers on the two big projects that I was on when I was there, a guy called Ross Goodall and Richard Tettleborough, they were, you know, looking back, I, I don't know how old they were. They were probably quite young, you know, at the time, probably like 29, 30 or something. But I remember thinking, these guys are just like invincible. They're always so decisive, like, you know, because projects, you know, consulting, they go fast and they can go wrong and there's lots of stress but it's like they always know what to do they're always in control of things and so I found that very inspiring that you could be that decisive about stuff and just kind of re- whenever things got difficult they were always there kind of like steadying stuff and making sure it was under control I just loved that and then the guy who gave me my break at Now TV a guy called Pascal Wharton it was you know quite quite hard on me at the time we're still friends now of course and I think that you know, I learned a lot from him. I learned the discipline that we spoke about in terms of data, numbers, performance, etc. He was relentless. You know, he'd always push for more. I think that was great. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to be pushed because I'm by by nature I'm quite laid back, and so being pushed is, is quite helpful. So yeah, you're very inspiring. And then just the people that I've had on my team at Gusto for the last five years have been a very stable team. Um, so they've, they've they've worked for me, but the, you know, the feeling of working with people that you know you. you you, you feel your friends mm-hmm. and that you see you know, outside work and you've, you've built us spent a lot of time with means that work itself is is really enjoyable and 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 if, if it wasn't enjoyable I wouldn't really be doing it yeah. so I'm very you know, very influenced by those types of people as well I'm very taken by what you said earlier Tom about when you 
left Accenture and actually you didn't have something to uh, go to, which is a very brave thing. I think it's it's a it's an exciting thing when you leave something and you kind of don't know what you're going for. But would you say is that one of the bravest things that you've done in your career, or is, is there anything else that that you feel was like a really brave thing to do? Yeah, I suppose that that was kind of brave, but it was also naive <laughs> <laughs> as well. Thinking, I thought at the time, you know, I've you know I've done you know I've got this great degree, I've done all this great stuff at Accenture. I was I was very good and had done lots of good things. And I thought, oh, you know, just I'll just easily like fall into a new job because I've done all this great stuff. But the, the thing that I learned was I had done lots of good things. And I was good at lots of things. No one wants that, really. They don't want someone who's good at lots of things. They were, well, what is it that you're a specialist at? What's the thing that you're known for? Well, I can do, you know, I've done, I worked on this merger. I can build databases. I've done this. No, we're not looking, we're looking for something specific. So I learned, I learned a bit of a lesson in that actually about, managing your career and focus when I was at Accenture I just did you know when I went from one project to the other I didn't consider it in terms of what's going to add a new skill or what's going to build my personal brand it was more what seems the most interesting or what's closest to London actually because some of the things you had to travel quite far for so that was that was a bit of a mistake but I think you know bravery I haven't taken enough risks in my career but the ones that I did take I'm, I'm I'm grateful for so the risks of trying to do something that I didn't think I could do at, at Now TV, and they were really scary. And and those were the things that, and, and I like that. Someone said early on in my career, if you don't, if you're not scared, you're not uncomfortable, you're probably not, you're not doing enough. It should always feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Don't go and do something where it feels like you know what you're doing. So, yeah, going in and and being being scared probably for the full four years at Now TV actually was 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 quite brave because I look back now and think, wow. That's, quite a stressful way to live (laughs) I also like the fact that you were sort of hanging around the marketing team waiting to be noticed which you said was not the best approach for anyone sort of perhaps uh earlier on in their career now how would you suggest that people do get noticed then just say I would so a couple of things one is have a something in your mind of a, a career plan or even better on paper and for that to have at least three different routes as well. Sometimes people find it difficult to get started by saying, here's my single line that I want to go down. So I had, when I later got into the idea of career planning, I had three different options that were related, but but you know, different enough that I would sort of triple my chance of something coming up. So that was the first thing. And then secondly, it, it's surprising how few people just ask. Yeah. And then when you do, stuff happens. So, you know, n- not that often, but it happens. I get people um, message me on LinkedIn saying, "I would like a job at uh, this is for these reasons. I'd like to work for your company, or I'd like I just like some advice yeah. on something." And people so rarely ask directly that when they do, I'm like, "Okay, sure." <laughs> and and we've, we've hired people in that way where people have just written to me and said, "I I've got this particular skill and these particular ambitions. I'd like to get involved." I was like, okay. Let's have a go. So I just honestly just yeah, ask. Yeah. Um, it's so surprising, like how many how many times you you're going to get a response. Actually, I, I know that um, that's uh, advice from Emma Harris, who's one of the trainers at the Marketing Academy, and I know that you know we we met through the uh, the Marketing Academy, and she always sort of has this uh, theory that people should just start doing the job that they want to do. So act already like you're doing it, not sort of sitting around waiting to to be asked to dance, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes. just, just yeah. get on and do it. But <laughs> Shifting gears a little bit and just want to talk about 
marketing? Because I'm curious to know what's exciting you at the moment in, in marketing and, and maybe what's the impact uh, on, on Gusto of things that are really kind of catching your eye right now? So I get asked this question occasionally and I always feel as though there's an expectation system really kind of like cutting edge. <laughs> but what, what I what I guess really excites me is the stuff that works for our audience and the stuff that is going to be effective, I suppose. So, and our audience is, is, is fairly traditional, actually. So we're only just getting into TikTok and that sort of stuff, which is working quite well, actually. But as I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm very about measurement and effectiveness. That's the thing that, that really excites me. And we've been looking more recently at some of the work um, that Les Binet has been doing on share of voice and share of search, uh, which is which is which is in, in its kind of early stages, but we're actually starting to use it not just for reviewing how things have gone and why things might have happened the way they are, because we spend a lot of money on, on brand advertising now, so we need to understand its effectiveness, but we're starting to use it to potentially uh, inform how we plan our brand spend in future so you know I'd, I'd love to get more data on that and 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 at gusto we're using it to try and uh, build forward looking plans as well so i think that's quite interesting i'm also still like what you said earlier about having access to that database where you can tell mm. you know all of the different ingredients and being used so i guess you could do like a breakdown of of what are the favorite ingredients around the UK and, and, and really tailor the marketing so well. Yeah. 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 It's, it is, it is interesting. And and also because, you know, I had in my early career, as I mentioned, I was a a database designer Mm. and and I can, I can query databases very well. I still find myself tempted and still have occasionally dipped in there and said, Oh, okay. I wonder, you know, what what it is about potatoes that that works. Uh, Because it was a time when, you know, any ad that had a fried egg in it used to work really, really well for us. Like... <laughs> but you're not actually editing the HTML yourself anymore. Not, no, I haven't done that. For <laughs> do you think we actually, as, as marketers, do you think we do talk about the data as, as much as we should do? Or, or do you think, I mean, you, you must sort of speak to different people and speak on panels and things. I, don't, I always feel like there should be more around the data. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I because because I've been sort of so deeply involved in it for for a while. I I, I feel like it, it feels natural to me, and it feels natural to Gusto because that's just how we are. And so when I do speak to people and say what I think are relatively straightforward things, and people go, "Oh, wow, that's 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 different," I, I'm kind of surprised. So I, I get the sense that there should be more on it, but I, you know, I haven't haven't been like inside many other companies, so it's it's hard to compare. But from people that I meet, interview, etc. there could definitely be more focus. Another thing that, that that goes alongside that though, because you know, I've been so involved in data is I sometimes want to spend more time with the customers yeah. because that's the other side of marketing. You know, there's no there's no perfect way of doing anything. And whilst we do spend a lot of time noses down in spreadsheets and databases, I'm I'm kind of inspired by other brands where they're out of the office. They're in customers' homes. You know, mm-hmm. you hear stories about CMOs and CEOs who are walking the floor of their stores like once a week, and and just chatting to members of the public. I'd love to do more of that. I don't do enough of it. You know, especially with the pandemic. You know, you get a little bit of Zoom into people's houses, but you know, the, before the pandemic, you know, the, some of the most interesting things that we did were to go and spend an afternoon in a customer's house, nosing around their fridge, talk to them about how they actually use it. 
it just learns so much from that that you know the data augments but doesn't replace well, I, I predict that getting more involved on tiktok will really give you that insight actually because yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's being used i mean the, the way that we use it for for brands it's so cool because you just get so connected to the community and i think you know that's it, it does come back to that now obviously i'm always going to be a bit biased about it being about you know genuine human connections with consumers and and social media but i think tiktok is a great way to kind of get to know your your customers so i'm i'm feeling good for you right now on that journey yeah yeah i mean even seeing some of the ugc stuff that people are doing huge like engagement yeah. and just just people cooking and just mm-hmm. throwing some ingredients in but people that's the other thing about working for gusto is that customers love food and it's so so great when you're selling a product that people just love yeah love talking about love sharing love enjoying eating all that sort of stuff it's it's very it's very fulfilling as a marketer to have that feedback from people yeah that's wonderful what have you been most proud of in your career so far or, or outside of your career if you prefer i mentioned earlier that I, I become very aware of the impact that I have on others, you know, people have on on each other and, and relationships. And that's kind of been my philosophy about growing teams and, and leadership is remembering the impact that I'm going to have on people. And what drives me is is seeing other people be successful and, and helping other people be, be successful because that in turn helps the business uh, and so on. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of the team that I've grown at Gusto. It's amazing when you when you join a company and it's in a tiny little office, if you can call it that, you know, underneath a block of flats. And it's just all these kind of young faces looking at you, looking for leadership. And you can come in and you can see people grow and you can hire the team and, you know, look around now and see all the people that are there. I've, you know, I remember meeting every one of them individually uh, to interview them and seeing them go on and do things that either you know at gusto or, or beyond gusto which they couldn't have probably imagined five years ago when they joined i'm really really proud of the impact that i'm able to have on people that's wonderful we're gonna switch gears a little bit now and we've come to the bit of the podcast where we get a bit more personal and do the equivalent of nose around your fridge so let's start with what's your idea of a perfect weekend any guilty pleasures oh <laughs> i you know i'd love to go away more you know the last couple of years have been, not been away away as much but yeah, a perfect weekend for me would be somewhere hot warm actually not hot that's the wrong word because hot is too much sometimes mm-hmm. i've discovered but somewhere warm and uh of the days of the weekend i'd love to spend one day just relaxing on the beach or by the pool and then the other day with some balance because i'm quite restless mm-hmm. so the other day you know packed from 9 a.m till 9 p.m exploring doing things walking climbing being active in some way uh so a good balance of those two things and I don't, I don't, I don't think I have any guilty pleasures, except you know, look, looking at myself, maybe one, which is talk TikTok. You know? <laughs> it's a new guilty pleasure. Yeah, it is designed because I, you know, started using it a while back to, to understand it for marketing reasons. But then it's just designed in such a way to draw you in, isn't it? And so when I'm sitting by the pool, I should be reading. Really, I should be reading a book about you know marketing history or something <laughs> uh, but you just think i'll oh, just a quick quick look and then you're there for half an hour it's it's ridiculously 
addictive, isn't it? And you just like smoking or something, you know that you need to stop and, and put limits on it. But what they've designed to to keep you engaged is is yeah, yeah pretty astounding. It's very well done. <laughs> what advice would you give to your teenage self? We've spoken about it a little in in in, in the last uh, half an hour, but take more risks. I think practice taking risks. Practice doing things that you're going to fail at. I didn't fail at enough things, which you know you could look at. Oh well, that's great. But I you know in retrospect look back and think, well, that means I didn't push things far enough. Mm. Um, because I was probably a bit afraid of failure. So I would encourage myself to to fail in small ways and start building the muscle of failure. Yeah. You know, I've, I, I've seen something, you might have seen it as well, about a person who says, go in and uh, for 10, 10, 10 days in a row, ask for a discount at Starbucks. And not because you actually want a discount, but just to get used to the feeling of being knocked back. I said, well, no. <laughs> but just doing things like that and, and failing more, I would want to do. Not compare myself to other people. It's one of those things that you kind of get more used to as you get older, saying, you know, when you're young and you still see it now and people saying, oh, you know, my friend has done this and been successful at that. And I see this person there, they're like 23 and they're yeah. running their own company. It, it makes you feel a bit anxious, really, and a bit, you know, but like, there's no rush, really, unless you want there to be a rush. And so be, be comfortable with your own pace, I would say. And when you're not eating gusto meals, what's one of your go-to restaurants? I like variety. I like going to lots of different restaurants and I have done. There was one that I used to, I've probably been to maybe 20 times, which is strange for me, um, but it's closed down now. But it was a dim sum restaurant in uh, near uh, Oxford Street. Um, but dim sum, you know, I've, I've, I used to go to loads and loads and loads. I love dim sum. I love lots of different types of world cuisine. But if I was going to name one, a little shout out for South London, there's a restaurant called Babur in Honor Oak. We had a tiny little kind of um, Indian restaurant, which is just incredible, absolutely incredible. You just get blown away every time I go there. They've got this uh, tent or sort of marquee in in the in the back, which you go through, and it's really lovely decoration. The service is amazing. Babur in South London, I'd recommend. That sounds it. lovely. I'll be adding that to my list. <laughs> Do you have any leaders that really inspire you? Any any books that you've read uh, of different leaders or or someone that you would just be loved to sort of get stuck in a lift with or something? I tend to be inspired by sports people, actually. Uh, and they're not all leaders, they're not all team captains. Some of them are, are individuals, so athletes and so on. But what I find inspiring about them is the self-discipline. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky enough to be quite successful in work. I'm actually not that, I haven't got great self-discipline. And, and it's something I work on. So there's just seeing people who can focus on, on, on something so single-minded and specific. Uh, Jessica Ennis-Hill, the sort of athlete who won gold at the Olympics a while back. I met her, you know, face-to-face um, a few years ago. It's just amazing. You can just see the, even when she was sitting still, just the, the focus radiating out of her. I found, it, I found that kind of way of being very inspiring. I also... If I was stuck in a lift with someone like that, I'd love to know how they balance that selfishness, mm. for want of a better word, with you know their, their interpersonal relationships. But if I was going to pick one one person to be stuck in a lift with, it's going to sound like a funny one. But Arnold Schwarzenegger, actually, <laughs> because you know I grew up watching his movies, and you just think, oh, he's a guy who just says a couple of lines in movies. But he's he was a fascinating uh, guy, and all of that stuff that you saw on screen was the product of lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of hard work mm-hmm. in the background to get into that place. And, you know, I'm fascinated by people who have 
lived very full lives and got loads and loads of stories of, of you know and been everywhere and 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 by having such a full life and meeting lots of people you get you you learn so much stuff and i'd love to kind of hear some of his stories uh, in a lift yeah <laughs> i bet he's got a view to tell if we could give you an extra hour each day what would you do with it i mean and tiktok's a perfectly acceptable answer <laughs> no 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 <laughs> it's funny because saying i could have an extra hour in a day suggests that i'm probably gainfully filling the existing ones and i need this extra <laughs> which is not true at all I, I might waste that extra hour you should give it to somebody else <laughs> and so what would i do with it? i think that i would spend more time to myself really so I, although i am quite restless and i do try to fill hours with things and and tasks and there's always you know one more piece of admin to do or there's a bit more work or there's something and i don't I don't think I really have enough time just doing nothing mm -hmm. in a way, but doing nothing in a mindful sense, in a way of slowing down. So not not wasteful, but using it to really quieten and not look at the phone and so on. So I'd love to spend that hour being present in myself yeah. and my own mind, as opposed to in other just distractions and tasks, etc. I definitely set it aside to be quiet. That's a that's a really good answer. How would your friends describe you? Caring, somewhat self-interested, sadly, <laughs> but but in a in a in a in a in a, in a positive mm -hmm. way, I suppose, or in a in a way in an accepting way. So what they mean by that is that I because and this is linked back to the fact that I don't look for praise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that means that I inadvertently don't don't give it as much right. and I don't I don't I don't sort of um yeah don't I don't consider well, I didn't used to at least anyway and I'm more actively think about it having having reflect on it you know I'm more likely to forget someone's birthday than most people so I, <laughs> that's what I mean by that you know self-interested I don't mean that in a bad way I just mean that that's just how I, how I how he is sometimes but he's working on it they would say that I'm uh, quite competitive mm -hmm. as well uh, I've always been competitive growing up competitive with my friends as well <laughs> but again in a in a in a good sort of balanced way that we can later laugh at <laughs> from 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 our childhoods and you're quite quite active as well so yeah quite restless doesn't doesn't like to kind of sit in one place for too long <laughs> and i'm on a bit of a personal mission to get more karaoke into the marketing industry have you got a karaoke go-to song do you even like karaoke I do like karaoke. I do like karaoke. I, I, I'm an average singer, a middling, not not no, not even that great. But, <laughs> but um, so I do like karaoke. And and when I do karaoke, I I realise it's not it's not meant to be about you. So I'd love I love doing songs that are you know for me and just you know, I can be in my little element and sing. I don't know, John Legend, All of Me is oh, one of my favourites. But. But that's not what people want at karaoke. They want the sing-alongs. So uh, probably Mr. Brightside by The Killers or something like that. Fantastic choice. You don't, want to, you don't want to kill the mood with it all going quiet and you say, no, listen, everybody shush, 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 listen to me. <laughs> yeah, indulgent karaoke. I, 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 um, I sing in a, a, a pop choir. And when we get together and do karaoke, we do indulgent karaoke. And then there is the separate, the crowd-pleasing karaoke, which, you know, yeah. you have to, I, yeah. I totally agree with you there. Now, is there anything, we're coming to the end now, so is there anything that, that we haven't asked that we really should have asked you? Or um, I'd like to sort of give you the, the 
platform for any closing thoughts. We, we touched on it briefly earlier, but there was there was something that that happened when I was at Now TV that has really made me consider that balance of art and science in marketing. And for all the data talk and my sort of analytical background and so on, one of the tasks that I was given was to prove, I think that was the word, how our advertising money on brand especially worked. And you had to prove it. You know, you've got to you've got to put a number on it. And I spent maybe ten months or something working on this and then just concluded there's no you can't prove there's no we have to accept that there are lots of unknowns, mm. that consumers are irrational, and it's all models that kind of roughly describe how things might work. Actually, it was in one of the books that I read at the time. It said, it was a chapter called How Advertising Might Work. And it went on and said like four different ways that it might work, not how it does work, how it might work. No, there is no way that it works perfectly. It's just people and you know people's minds changing a little bit and using heuristics to kind of make split decisions it's split second decisions it's all very it's all very irrational and just being able to step back and say you know what for this particular thing we're going to go with our gut or we're going to use intuition and intuition isn't really just guessing it's basically the combined years of experience of people who've seen lots of things happen in the past they don't know why a particular course or a particular creative or a particular tactic is going to work but they just got a feeling that it is and it's not it's not just from your, your belly it's because you have seen all the stuff in some way before and you're connecting the dots and so yeah whilst whilst data is really important and being very analytical in your approach is important taking a few risks in the way that you approach your campaigns is essential as well You've been listening to Genuine Humans, brought to you by The Social Element. If you loved what you heard, remember to subscribe or you can find out more at www.thesocialelement.agency.